0: Hey guys welcome to the essentials i'm maddie flint and i'm your host on this podcast you can usually expect to hear themes of science politics art history culture and more in this episode we are falling for fall i don't know what it is about this year or what it was about the summer and i miss the summer i'm sad to see it go but i feel like i've never wanted fall more than i do this year I'm not sure what all that's about, but there's a whole lot of internet hype. I know I'm not the only one who feels like that, but it is exciting, the change of the seasons, the start of the next one. And there's lots of fall festivities to look forward to. Halloween, apple picking, going to get pumpkins, supporting your local farm stores, being outside, catching leaves, wearing your flannels, drinking your coffee. And that's exactly what I'm gonna start with, coffee. I apologize to everybody who doesn't drink coffee i drink it religiously uh every day but for all my non-coffee drinkers there's a huge variety of things like tea and other like decaffeinated coffees if it's the caffeine that you don't drink it for or just any other hot drinks there's some really great things out there other than coffee and you can also get similar flavors to the coffees that i'm about to talk about in tea or a latte like a chai latte so that's tea but you can get the flavoring that's in some of these coffees in drinks like that so the best coffee in new york state is i'm just kidding i don't know i can't decide that for the entirety of upstate new york i think stewart's is up there though so if you are an avid coffee drinker then you know that coffee from different places is very distinguishable. Between Dunkin', Starbucks, and Stewart's, I think I definitely get my fill of it enough to know. And I've heard really good things about Uncommon Grounds coffee too, I just haven't been yet. Um, But I want to do a poll or something on my socials about which of these coffee places is better up here. Personally, my experiences with different kinds of brews and espressos have varied so much from like Starbucks that I would end up going to Dunkin' instead because I didn't wanna be let down by a Starbucks drink. And like other days it's the other way around. But honestly, sometimes it's just Stewart's that hits the spot. I don't know what it is about it, but it's good. But upon the arrival of fall, everybody is talking about pumpkin and apple flavored coffee drinks. You know, I'm sure a lot of us have seen the Dunkin' ad for their pumpkin cream cold brew. Pumpkin cream cold brew, pumpkin spice, signature latte, and nutty pumpkin coffee. All available for a limited time. Pumpkin cream cold brew. Sip bolder, fall harder. Pumpkin cream cold brew is back and better than ever. This prized pumpkin sip pairs slow steeped, ultra smooth cold brew with notes of brown sugar and fall warm spices. Yeah, so, Duncan. (laughs) Then there's Starbucks with its larger selection. Pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin cream cold brew. Sounds pretty familiar. Apple crisp oat milk macchiato. Don't get that one and I'll tell you why in a second. Chai tea latte. Iced chai tea latte. Honey almond milk flat white. Pumpkin caramel macchiato. Cinnamon latte. Pumpkin brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso and more. Okay so I will tell you about my bad experience with the Starbucks apple crisp oat milk macchiato. So I was coming out of, I believe chemistry and I was walking past Starbucks and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get myself something. I saw the signs for the new fall flavors, the pumpkin and the apple and everything. People are so heated over like which one is better. Honestly, it depends on the mood because I could have something pumpkin and love it. And also nothing beats apple pie, homemade apple pie. But uh, anyway, back to my story of my terrible drink. So I tried the oat milk macchiato with the apple crisp flavoring and everything and the first sip I took I was like wow that that kind of tastes acidic what the heck is wrong with this it's supposed to taste like apple and then I thought maybe it was because I didn't stir it so then I started stirring it and I was like wow it's getting worse wow this is not good so I was doing my chemistry homework at the library and it started to like give me a stomach ache. So I was like, I'm probably gonna stop drinking this now. And it's really unlike me to not be able to finish almost half of a coffee. Usually it's no problem to finish a cup of coffee. But that one, I was like, why can't I get through this? Then it hit me. I was like, I don't owe it to anybody that I need to finish this drink. Something tastes wrong with it. The flavoring's off, whatever it was. So then I get home and my mom ended up telling me that she saw on Instagram, uh, one of the influencers some lady on there posted about how it had to get reformulated because there were like chemicals in the flavoring so yeah that's why it tasted weird i'm glad i didn't finish drinking it listened to my gut and it was for the better i think now that it's reformulated you can try it i won't tell you not to get it if you have your heart set on it but i'm just telling you what my experience was with it so far uh yeah so there's my story My go-to, if I'm going to go to Dunkin', my go-to drink is definitely the pumpkin cream cold brew. And before pumpkin season, my go-to was just the brown sugar cold foam, like with a regular coffee. And it was so good. And I will continue to get it. It's like classic, but also sweet. And it was great for like any time of day. But yeah, I I would go with the pumpkin now, and I probably wouldn't get pumpkin flavoring from Starbucks because I did try a pumpkin latte from there, and it wasn't that bad. It just had a little bit of an aftertaste, which I don't necessarily like after a cup of coffee, like a bad aftertaste, because obviously after you drink coffee, you're going to wind up with coffee breath unless you eat something right after or brush your teeth. But nobody likes to have like a chemical aftertaste after having a drink of coffee. But there are definitely a lot of options out there if you want something fun and seasonal hit up any of these places so like if you go to a high-end cafe you're obviously going to get a better coffee there but people don't always have the time for that and with this inflation the extra money for that either to take a leisurely morning off and hit up a cafe for a seven dollar espresso drink Now, I love cafes, don't get me wrong. The environment, the energy, the coffee, it's all great. I go to them when I can, and it's not because I'm trying to be the cute, quirky, I only drink coffee, oh my gosh, I had no actual food in like forever. I literally don't like sugar in mine. Yeah, it's black like my soul, yep, (laughs) yep, just like that. I'm not that girl. I just love the drink, I need the caffeine, and I do get creatively inspired by being in cafe settings. Not much makes doing stoichiometry homework manageable other than a hot caffeinated drink. So I'm actually going to define the proportions of milk and espresso in some of those drinks that I mentioned before, um, just so that you can have an idea of it. So a macchiato is kind of just like a regular espresso drink, just straight espresso with a bit of steamed milk in it. So it's pretty strong uh, flavor wise, and I do really like them a lot. And it's more espresso than it is milk, but it does have a little milk in it, whereas a plain espresso is just espresso. Then as for lattes, uh, it is no surprise that these drinks feature the greatest amount of milk in the largest cup, giving it a milder, creamier taste compared to other espresso drinks. So usually they're like a shot or two shots of espresso followed by steamed milk, a thin layer of foamed milk, and then milk on top for the latte art, because that's a must when you get a latte, or a cappuccino, or anything, if you want. But they are mostly milk, just a little bit of espresso. Of course, there's also various ways that you can prepare a regular cup of coffee, different steaming methods, and different coffee beans, and such, so it's whatever you prefer. And now that we've gotten our fix on coffee, I'm going to transition onto a different topic, which is also pretty interesting, and I'm gonna tell you guys some information about pesky parasites who can't jump nor fly and are a favorite snack of guinea hens. That's right, I'm talking ticks. Why do they exist? We don't know. They're just a minuscule part of the food chain and they happen to feed on humans. So for background, ticks fall in the category of ectoparasites which means that they live on the outside of their hosts compared with endoparasites, but I don't really want to do that, because that's disgusting. Um, We may think that they come out during the fall and spring more, but in reality, if it's over 35 degrees Fahrenheit, they are going to be around. There are different kinds of ticks, but the most common here in upstate New York is the black-legged deer tick. And I'm making special mention of that one because it's the one who carries a bacteria that causes Lyme disease. The bacteria is called Borrelia burgdorferi, a member of the spirochete family of bacteria. And there are a hundred, maybe not a hundred, I don't know, I'm estimating, but there's a lot of other types of um, bacterial parasites who live in that family of bacteria. And that just means that they're long and wiggly, the spirochete, that's gross, I know. But after this pathogen is transmitted, it will acclimate to the mammalian conditions that it is attached to for its host. Borrelia burgdorferi will change its glycoproteins and proteases on its plasma membrane to facilitate the way that it can get into the blood. While infecting, this nasty, nasty parasite will express proteins that interact with endothelial cells, platelets, and the extracellular matrix of the host. This interaction inhibits proper function of the infected areas, leading to the pathological manifestations of Lyme disease, so in response, the host's immune system will initiate an inflammatory response in attempt to remove the infection and this is from an article from the National Academies. In order to not get Lyme disease, there are ways that you can just take precautions if you're gonna go outside and you know that you live in an area with a lot of ticks um, and go for hikes or whatever. Wear long pants and long sleeves if you can and socks over your pant legs so that there's no ankle exposed because ticks can't fly. So they're just on the ends of the blades of grass and leaves that are on the ground and your ankles are how they're going to access you. So if you keep those covered, that's going to create like an obstacle course for them to get through so they can't just go right under your bare skin because they're hard to see. They're really, really little and you might even mistake it for like a mole or a blemish or something. But if it has little legs, it's a tick. And if you can get to it before it bites you, that's great, because it'll embed once it bites you. And DEET actually can be a tick repellent. They don't like DEET. That's another way that you can try to protect yourself from them. So say these things didn't work and you get Lyme disease anyway. It's super common, so you don't have to feel ashamed or embarrassed if you've had it before. And here are some facts about the disease. Lyme disease can be contracted within 36 to 48 hours of attachment and it can also be treated. It's very treatable. Your healthcare professionals and doctors are going to put you on antibiotics, and you have to take those accordingly because if you don't, it could also have some side effects on your um, stomach microbiome, and you don't want that. So just take it for the length that they give it to you for, and you should be fine. It will get rid of all of that nasty bacteria that is in your body, and. There's a common misconception that once you get Lyme disease, the disease stays in your body even after the symptoms are gone. It might, if you don't finish your medicine for a little while, not forever. It doesn't stay in your body forever. You might have some side effects for a while, but the infection itself does not stay in your body. You don't have to worry about it. There is no Lyme disease in your body to this day. Unless, of course, you just got it and you just got prescribed the medications. Then in that case, I'm sorry. But on that note, I'm going to wrap up this episode of The Essentials. I hope you guys learned something and enjoyed the listen. Please go out and get a really nice coffee. Treat yourself. That's always fun. And thank you for the listen. I appreciate it. Check out all the other great podcasts that are also here on the BMG Network. And I will catch you guys next week in the same place.